here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 107 FM in Kruenstadt. All right, 14 minutes to 3 o'clock and um, 011-482-1510. Your questions, your concerns, what is it that you'd like to hear from the president this evening? We're all waiting in anticipation to hear what it is that he is going to say. We don't know exactly what time, but as and when that happens, we'll bring it to you. Okay, so love in the time of corona. That's my question. Dr. Tlaleng Mfukeng, Commissioner at the Commission for Gender Equality, joins me on the line. Good afternoon and thank you, Dr. Tlaleng. You know, when we talk about social distancing, when we talk about all kinds of etiquettes around this, there's always a yes, but not with my family. Is that true? Look, there's different ways of response um, when you're trying to decrease, firstly, exposure um, of those people who may be, um, you know, capable of passing on the infection, is that you want to do social distancing. This means that in a community, in a population of people, you may not know who's been exposed to the virus. People are asymptomatic. There's no test to confirm whether or not corona is present or not. And so social distancing is the first step, um, you know, to, to try and decrease the possibility of transmitting the virus, but also also not just person to person, but on, on surfaces in public spaces. The other issue is, of course, of um, quarantine where maybe you are a traveler who comes from a high-risk area um, where you know that within 14 days, which is sort of the, the standard period that's given, should you develop symptoms, you will then go for a test. Um, self-quarantine is also important for you know people who may unknowingly have come to, in contact with someone um, who is at high risk for corona. Then you have the third stage of self-isolation. Um, these are people who are actively sick, who are showing symptoms. Some people may be awaiting results. And as we know globally and in South Africa, healthcare providers are in the front lines of the response. And they may be still going home to their children and their and, and, and their spouses, mm-hmm. but they find a place, a room in the house where they are self-isolating um, because people cannot then afford just to have, you know, um, a flat or an apartment elsewhere where they can go because occupationally they are at risk, but they still have to go home every day and they may choose to self-isolate. What, what do we do? You know, that's the elephant in the room. So I, I think I'm careful, but as you said, I don't know who I've come across who's been in contact with somebody who has because we don't have confirmed cases yet. We haven't got tests and so on. Mm-hmm. So w- would that apply only or should it only apply to healthcare workers or what are we supposed to be doing when we get home? So when we get home, and I think in terms of what the minister has asked us to do and the president is to avoid, um, you know, gatherings of up to 100 people. I think that will be revised very shortly. And... What it means is that when you wash your hands regularly, you are getting rid of any residual dirt, any uh, possible uh, virus that may have been transferred into your hands, either through, you know, the tools, the tools of trade, your laptop, Mm. um, touching doorknobs, you know, when you are at immigration the immigration officer has gloves on, you don't. He's been touching all of these passports and he hands you back yours. 
your passport could be contaminated, which is why the issue of washing hands regularly for 20 seconds is important. But there are limitations, I think, in terms of the health information that's been given. If you are a person from Dolo, from Guiani, from Guagua, Haman Skral, where do you get clean water to wash your hands for 20 seconds regularly? Um, you know, the issue of sanitizers between 6 to 70 percent alcohol content those are special sanitizers you don't just find that in the aisles which is what people have been buying you actually need the alcohol content to be higher which means they are more expensive so what about then the peri-urban and rural communities um and so a lot of the preventative which is the hygienic information is good but there is still privilege in terms of who can realistically do that please please say that again just go back and say that again you are saying that all these sanitizers that people are buying on the shelves are not the thing that we should be buying. Yeah, we need sanitizers that are between 60 to 70 percent alcohol content, which is why people must read at the back of the sanitizer, the ingredient list, and that will give you the percentages. Usually there's aqua, there's glycerine, there's perfume, there's some moisturizing element, but the ethanol um, component has to be between 60 to 70 percent to be effective for coronavirus. This is beyond just the normal sanitizing your hands uh, like in ordinary times. It's not a pretty times. thing. It's not a yeah, pretty these thing. are extraordinary times. So you need the alcohol content because that's actually what then kills the virus. Um, you know, if, if you can't have access to water or if you're someone occupationally, you know, I've been an example of the immigration officers, mm-hmm. but you still have people who have to go to work and cook. Mm-hmm. You've got people who are in childcare, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of those people may not necessarily have access, especially rural communities, to fresh running water, every space that they they are navigating every day. Taxi ranks, for example. That's why things like sanitizers, um, you know, become important. But also we need to think about the physical structure. So when we say, um, you know, people must uh, practice social distancing. If you are a family of six in in one shack, you know, there's only so much social distancing that can happen. And so I think the the, the COVID um, epidemic is really reminding us of some of the structural problems and the issues that we haven't really um, fixed just in terms of, of, of living spaces um, and how then those are in themselves determinants of health. Sure. I mean, I think you've just a, a little, freaked us out a little bit because, you know, that's 60 and 70 percent. Um, somebody called in earlier, actually, and that answers that question. He was saying, no, 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 where I am, uh, I'm seeing, he says he's going into shopping malls and stuff. Uh, he says he's in a township and he's finding that they add water to the sanitizer. My answer was that's no longer a sanitizer. Yeah, because you've diluted it completely. Yes. Um, and people are probably desperate trying to to be seen to be the, doing the right thing mm. so that consumers can then trust them um, to think that, you know, they are hitting the call from the from the national department. But I think that in itself is a very bad thing. And it's actually quite risky because we're exposing people and um, it's quite deceitful. Mm. And there's no place for that at all, um, completely, not at all. Um, you know, and I think there are a lot of problems. I think at least patients... You know, who who do have realist, uh, real worries, you know, about um, the fact that people are diabetic, hypertensive, you know, asthmatic, uh, living with HIV, have chronic heart disease, and they, they, they can't access their treatment, you mm, know. Mm. Um, and we know the latest, um, you know, uh, in Gauteng that, you know, non-emergency, yes. uh, you know, surgeries are, are being stopped. Clinics are advising people to only come in real emergencies. 
But because it's happening, you know, in the context of a, of a system that requires people to be going to clinics every month, it means, you know, you have to make another plan for patients to get that treatment. It's not enough to just say, come when you have an emergency, because then we will create emergencies if diabetics and hypertensive mm. people are not able to get their chronic medication. Dr. Talene, let's just quickly just help us navigate. So maybe you have people bring in the stuff to you. Uh, many of us are worried about the elderly. We've been told to limit our mm. contact with the elderly. If and when you are required to do that and you are maybe sending supplies, what should you be doing? How do you kind of secure yourself and them more importantly? Mm. It's to make sure that whatever packaging, you know, people have been doing care packages. If you are doing a care package, definitely wash your hands before. Spray some sanitizer on each individual um, object or whatever you're going to be putting in that package and wipe it down with, with a sanitizer and, 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 and um, like, you know, kitchen paper towel, pack that, but also wipe down the packaging itself with that 60 to 70% sanitizer so that when you hand over that packet to the person, um, you know, they then don't get contamination from the packaging. Ideally, you should be dropping off a packet outside and leave and let the next person then come and pack and pick up that, that um, package. The same way as a lot of the deliveries, um, you know, companies have been doing, um, you know, they do advise that when the, when the driver comes, they will drop the, the, the stuff that they are bringing and then you then will come and pick it up yourself as opposed to hand to hand, um, you know, delivery. Uh, yeah, interesting times. Your wish for what the president is going to say this evening? We hope <laughs> um, for a shutdown. I think, you know, at times like this, especially with the numbers that we are having, we can already tell you that because of the backlog of the test, it's much higher than 402. We will await and then obviously keep checking the official numbers in the trains. But as, as medical professionals, we are concerned. We are concerned because we know that our health system already does not have enough healthcare professionals. We don't have enough ICU beds and ventilators in both the private and public sector combined um, to be able to, to deal with, with um, you know, any impending disaster. So a total shutdown, a very detailed plan. I think the centralization of the response is slightly worrying because mm. a lot of the people who need these services, who need information, who need hand sanitizers, who need water, are lower down in communities. And we haven't really had a, a real feel mm. of what is the district strengthening looking yep. like, where the services are much closer to people. We don't really have an understanding of what is the budget to support this national disaster plan that the president announced. And so if you're going to move forward into a shutdown, it means, you know, we really need a, 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 you know, much more detail um, and a plan to, to understand, you know, medical supplies, food, um, you know, what, for example, may not be critical and essential to one person. But if I need to prevent a pregnancy and have contraception, and we know globally there's a problem with Korea, with cargo, with manufacturing, what are my plans? Who do I speak to digitally um, to get information about my own sexual reproductive health? Um, you know, what if I need an abortion? There's time limits to it. Then what? Um, so I think there needs to be, you know, a plan, a plan to all of this. And, and humans first. I think for me, you know, there is no economy without humans who are healthy and thriving. And so if the plan is geared at saving the economy, I'm afraid we will not get the results we need. But if, if the plan is about saving citizens, um, then I think we, we are going to get far. Loud and clear, Dr. Tlaleng Fuking, uh, Commissioner at the Commission for Gender Equality, saying she also wishes for a total shutdown.